Hello and welcome to the Gamers Without Borders podcast, a podcast about video games, technology and anything else we can think of. My name is Nick and wow, this feels odd to do this for the first time in quite literally years. Here we are in the tail end of 2021 and you might be wondering what the hell am I doing, especially what the hell am I doing by myself for this podcast episode. And yes, I'm considering this an official, genuine podcast episode. It's not... um, it's not just an update. It's not just a, hey, I'm still alive. Um, I did want to do um, a, f- a full update. Um, just before I get too far into this, uh, apologies if my audio quality isn't quite at the level that it normally is uh, due to some unforeseen uh, laptop-related problems. Uh, I've been unable to use uh, my regular um, recording microphone, unfortunately. But um, hopefully uh, I can produce uh, a passable episode up up there with uh, up there with uh, some of our back catalogue but um yeah this uh yeah, this episode was kind of initially envisioned as um as a review of a, of a certain product that um that I've, I've recently received but it was more just going to kind of act also as a broader kind of update and kind of state of where i stand uh, in sort of gaming and in my life and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, to, to give some context, um, for those who don't know, my main uh, game console uh, for, for a long while has been a PlayStation 4. Uh, it was kind of the first uh, revision of the PS4, so not the slim, but the sort of first uh, minor revision they did at a higher capacity, at a one terabyte hard drive, um, and allegedly better cooling than the uh, original launch model. Now, obviously, we live uh, where, where, where we are now. Um, we've got the, the next-generation consoles, the uh, PS5 and the Xbox Series X now out and on the market. Um, obviously not easily obtainable, um, as many as many people will well know. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of... I was always intending um, to, to buy a PlayStation 5. I remember watching the launch event and obviously seeing, the, seeing that quite polarising design for the first time and, and the games. And, and kind of naturally, I just sort of assumed... Yeah, I'll, I'll keep that lineage going. I've kind of owned every every PlayStation since the PS1, and I thought it kind of made natural sense. And then, kind of as time went on, because obviously I couldn't couldn't grab one immediately when it first came out, and I kind of realised that I was playing my PS4 two things. But my PS4 was starting to die. It's uh, it runs very hot and very loud, so it kind of was naturally time um, to, to to possibly think about replacing it. But I also realised that I don't, I don't really play huge, big budget games on my PlayStation anymore. It's it's really, yeah, it's just not what I do. I don't, I don't like. I haven't played say even in series that I've played historically. I've I've not played the last couple of Assassin's Creed games. Like I'm not really playing big games anymore. Um, and like I think quite telling the kind of the the only game I was really really waiting for that kind of feels increasingly like it might be one of the last games that i play on my playstation exclusively was uh life is strange true colors i have a lot to say on that topic that is not for uh this time and place unfortunately but uh yeah hopefully i uh, have some plans to uh, have have a broad discussion about life is strange true colors but the, the point is that was kind of it almost felt like for me the last game the last new game that i was i was going to be playing on my playstation but then i kind of realized like it's not hugely graphic intensive. They are launching it on other platforms. And I was, so I was starting to kind of think like, well, 
like maybe I don't. Maybe I buy a PlayStation Five. It's a it's a substantial investment, and how much to, how much usage am I really going to get out of it? And, and I think especially now, like there are there are definitely a lot of interesting kind of titles and stuff on the way that I would be interested in. That they are in some cases quite literally years away. Like looking at sort of twenty twenty three um, for a lot of big titles. So then I ended up going back to. So I've I've dabbled I've come very close um, to jumping on in previous years, which was the Nintendo Switch. I obviously the Switch hugely popular, really um, revitalised Nintendo after after the lackluster uh, sales of the Wii U, and it was always something I touched on. It was kind of it was doing well, and and the form factor really kind of intrigued intrigued me. It wasn't just a case of I wanted a machine to play Breath of the Wild on because. <laughs> For that in particular, I'm not a huge Zelda fan, but it was more just I was intrigued by the concept, and I'd really come close multiple times over the last kind of three or four years to buying one. My justification was always I've got my PlayStation for playing big screen console games. I own a 3DS that I never use, so I clearly don't have much of a reason to um, to play handheld games. So kind of why would I ever do this? And then. There obviously were a lot of rumblings. Anyone kind of following a lot of tech and gaming news for a good while in recent months was that a quote-unquote Switch Pro um, was apparently coming. Um, this was key thing being this is going to be a more powerful in general, but also um, support uh, 4K output um, on a TV. But a lot of people arguing obviously with 4K now being a lot more mainstream um, it used to, than it used to be that it's kind of this is the natural step up that like no one was expecting it to be on kind of graphical levels with a PS5 or a or an Xbox Series X, but it was going to kind of take that step up. And then a lot of us were quite well, I think a lot of people I would say were quite surprised when what Nintendo launched instead was the to give it its formal name the Nintendo Switch OLED model, which while it did. Um, offer a larger uh, screen using OLED technology, it was no more powerful in terms of raw horsepower or graphical output, which shocked a lot of people. I think it was kind of one of those things that there were so many rumours pointing to a 4K switch that people had just assumed it was true, and yet when Nintendo, the only people formally confirmed these things, then announced something very different, a lot of people were very shocked. But I think once the kind of um, the, the kind of bit of shock had died down. It actually makes a lot of sense when you compare the Switch in comparison to Nintendo's other handheld consoles. This is what they've done in the past. Like they've they've done iterative um, console revisions and changes. Like you look at the the Game Boy to the Game Boy Color, the the Game Boy Advance, the Advance SP. The countless versions of the DS and the 3DS. Like they do, they don't tend to do huge huge changes within a console generation with their portable stuff so it's kind of not a huge surprise but anyway and the point being that i was i kind of underdog about getting a switch and then with this with this oled model it it kind of it's it seemed perfect timing i thought well i've always wanted to get a switch this does seem like quite a substantial upgrade and so i went ahead and ordered one fun fact i very nearly almost didn't because as with pretty much any piece of um, electronics in 2020 or 2021, there were not much stock and quite a lot of shortages. Uh, Amazon crashed multiple times um, during my attempts to order it, but I got very lucky and indeed uh, did manage to get one. And kind of this is what the kind of the bulk of what this sort of episode was was designed to be of kind of um, 
my my kind of feelings on the Switch OLED. So yeah, you can consider it as a bit of a review, and especially as someone that's kind of coming into in some ways coming into the Switch incredibly late, kind of four or five years into into this generation in a way. So um, so yeah, I think first of all, almost you you can't um, you can't avoid it. The screen is a really great step up. Um, the key difference being that it now uses OLED technology. Um, in without going too far into it, the really great thing about OLED is that it can display um, pure absolute black because um, when because uh, conventional LCD uh, screens are lit by a backlight, they always have to be shining some form of light. So effectively, when it's trying to display black, what it's actually displaying is an incredibly dark grey, but there there is always light there that you can't get rid of. So you can't get pure light. Whereas with an OLED screen, each individual pixel is, to use the proper term, self-emitter, generates its own light. Because that means if you want something to appear black, you can just make sure it emits no light whatsoever. So you get pure black. And that is really, really noticeable. Um, one, one, one example that really hammered this home, um, I was sitting in bed in a dark room watching, uh, watching YouTube, and I went to open a video, and it was just briefly buffering. So you had a black, predominantly black screen with just the buffering symbol in the middle in a dark room. And it honestly looked like that symbol was floating in midair because the screen around it was completely black as opposed to dark gray. So yeah, the so yeah, the only screen is really great. It's it's also um, it's also really bright as well. Um, that was definitely a complaint with early OLED screens, especially in sort of the TV market. The OLED screens had great range of color, but they just weren't particularly very bright. Um, and no, I, I think it, I think it really really is a good bright, vibrant screen. I, t- I tend to have mine around kind of half brightness, but yeah, if you crank it all the way, you're absolutely going to see. Um, you're going to see that, so I think it is a really, really great screen. Um, I do think it's quite amusing that um, one of the rumours as to why Nintendo actually pushed um, this on what in some ways might seem like an odd upgrade is that actually they couldn't get um, any screen manufacturers to make them old-fashioned 7-inch LCD screens anymore because no one uses them. Um, so it's quite funny they were kind of forced by um, changes in kind of uh, the screen uh, industry. Um, I also think a major change. Um, I've never, while I haven't personally handled an old switch, I know it was a big complaint that was the previous uh, switch kickstand, which was basically just like a plastic leg that you could flip out. That was very brittle. It would only hold it at one angle. Um, whereas now um, they've gone for a much more substantial stand, um, kind of in the in a similar way to the stands uh, used on Microsoft Surface products. Uh, so it's kind of it's a full width. Uh, metal stand that effectively allows you to hold the console at pretty, pretty much almost well the exact range of movement I don't know and it's obviously between about 180 and 90 degrees but it's it's a it's a huge range of movement and it is really really great like that flexibility and it's also the sturdiness of the hinge it's it's easy to pull out but it doesn't feel flimsy and you know it's going to hold the switch up so that's really great like I've been getting a lot of use. Um, out of the Switch in what the is what Nintendo at least referred to as tabletop mode, which involves uh, pulling the Joy-Cons off the side of the Switch, having the Switch propped up on it, on it, stand on a table, and just playing with the Joy-Cons separately. And I really think like that mode has really come into its own um, now that you've got a proper kickstand, um, which is really great. Um, also, one thing to note, because this was quite a recent change, uh, inexplicably in a software update out of nowhere, uh, but Nintendo finally 
um, introduced support um, Bluetooth audio, um, and I have tested them uh, with a pair of Bose headphones, and yeah, I can confirm it works. Uh, cons uh, work consistently well. Um, there are a couple quirks uh, with kind of the implementation and how it works precisely that I will get into, but yeah, it, it does work and it is it is really great because obviously you don't then have the problem of of trailing cables, which is yeah especially nice again if you're sort of sitting in bed or sitting in the dark and you don't want to get tangled up. So having 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 that option is really great, but. It's uh, and obviously yeah, and just to kind of round out the more positive side, I'm I'm really getting to to kind of discover now a lot of games that to to, to Switch owners won't feel that much, but I'd really kind of positioned uh, this Switch as kind of my sort of smaller, mainly indie focused game machine. I've been playing a lot of like roguelike style games like Hades and stuff, and it is just it's just so great for that, like the pick up and and playability of games like that. It's it's really what the Switch. Um, is really made for like I don't I don't really see at least for me personally me using um the switch as 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 kind of a um as, as a big screen kind of console uh to be completely honest um if there had been OLED switch light I I, I probably would have considered it but uh because I really wanted the OLED screen and the other kind of changes which obviously they were only doing in the original switch style design it's kind of it was it was a necessity but but yeah it's uh I'm really using it predominantly as a handheld console and yeah it's been really great and I'm really excited to kind of just yeah experience a lot of stuff that I've missed um in in the last couple of years which to me is very reminiscent of how I actually came into kind of the last couple of console generations because I came into the PS3 generation incredibly late um and it was really great to kind of discover all these series really became kind of fan favorites um, of, of mine, but kind of comparatively late to everyone else. And, and yeah, it kind of really feels like I've had that real second wind and I'm really kind of, I'm really invigorated to play games again, which is really great. And I think it's also a consequence of why I'm wanting to come back and, and kind of do this, to do this podcast in, in some form or another, because I mean, you know, I'm feeling really, really kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying games again, which is really, really great. Um, so yeah, uh, that being said, like I said, um, the switch is not, um, is not a flawless, uh, machine. Um, I would just say the, the first kind of slight con I have with it is probably quite specific to me because everyone is different, but me personally, um, just with the size of my hands, it feels just fractionally too big, um, to be used in a handheld mode. And I am acutely aware that even though the screen is big enough, the overall chassis, um, of of the switch is pretty much identically the same size. I think there's a very minor change, but it's because the the bigger screen is achieved by trimming down the the screen bezels. So I appreciate the overall kind of chassis isn't much bigger, but obviously this has been the first time in the last few weeks that I've I've handled a switch chassis, and it does at least for me um, just kind of it just feels fractionally too big. I feel like I'm constantly having to kind of sort of stretch and rearrange my hands, and I can kind of quite quickly tell um after gaming sessions that like my hands will start to cramp and stuff because i just feel like i'm reaching a, just a like a fraction too far in terms of how kind of my hands and my finger extend which is which is a real shame because yeah it's well it, it's kind of a shame that, that i do tend to notice that i have actually like i said found myself in playing in tabletop mode where i either just have the joy cons in my hand just just kind of freely and that obviously gives a lot more options or either in the in the Joy-Con grip, because um, obviously that's a lot narrower, uh, but, but that does give you a bit more sort of support in the hand. So, yeah, I kind of feel like I feel like a bit of an outlier that I'm tending to use 
uh, the switching kind of the sort of lesser ways that a lot of people don't do. But yeah, just me personally, um, yeah, I've kind of found that it is a little bit too big to comfortably use. So if you are someone uh, with smaller hands, that's something to be aware of. Um, one thing I would say um, is in the in the few occasions I've used it, you can really tell that the fact that the switch outputs 1080p uh, to a screen is noticeable if you do have a higher resolution display. Um, so I've got, I have got 4K television, um, luckily enough. And yeah, I, I tried it in console mode and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge kind of screen snob. I'm not the sort of person that could look at two almost identical televisions and say, oh, X, Y, Z has got the better picture depth and or better kind of range of colors and stuff. I, I don't have the kind of eyes or expertise for that, but almost instantaneously, as soon as I plugged in, I was like, yeah, this just, it, the easiest fucking job is just, it had rough edges. You kind of tell that the pixels were, because effectively the pixels are being stretched. Each pixel is being stretched across an area four times wider than it actually should be. And you could just tell it was just kind of choppy and not smooth. It also wasn't scaled quite correctly. So like the, um, the corners of all the sort of hardened UI for any games I'll play. So like, it's it struck me because simply because I'm not a huge kind of screen snob, but even I almost pretty much instantly was like, mm, this doesn't. You can tell that it's kind of it wasn't built for this. So like, it is it is a bit it is a bit of a shame, and I think it really really um, is is starting to kind of show that side of it, which I think is why so many people were really hoping for some kind of pro update to kind of um, to the console to really kind of allow that 4K output for sure um i'd also say I, I don't think the battery life is fantastic um i will concede i think part of that is just the consequence of i'm possibly playing it more than i realized but like yeah i'm tending to kind of get sort of two three hours out of it on a charge which is like yeah it's a portable console you're never gonna get uh amazing battery life and obviously it is pushing uh a powerful screen it obviously is the same resolution but it is it is a powerful and bright screen, so I obviously I will fully concede that obviously part of that is mightage and such, but just kind of anecdotally from what I've heard from from Switch people, I, I kind of expected a little bit more than that from it, which 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 is always a shame. But obviously we've got the got the advantage that I'm never too far from a charger, um, but still kind of that was a definitely a disappointment um, for me for sure. And the last thing, and kind of I think this this was like a recurring thing I think with with Nintendo in a lot of ways, um, a lot of people often talk about in, in certain areas how behind, especially with more technological stuff, Nintendo can be. And obviously that's, it's something that's often levied at, at them for their handling of kind of online play and, and all that stuff. But they, they feel kind of a few steps behind um, the likes of Sony and Microsoft and such. And yeah, there have just been just a few kind of quirks um, in the software that, that kind of that really bugged me and kind of it feels like on paper um, could could, e could easily be ironed out. So it's like they're incredibly minor things. Like I quite often when I'm using my switch, if I'm using my switch late at night, I won't want to put my switch to sleep. I want to fully turn it off, which is fine. Um, you can do that. You just hold down the power button. You go into power options and then power off is there, which actually if you can completely honest is almost eight identical to how the ps4 operates in the sense that kind of all the default powers you can put it in um either by like pressing the power button or going into the power settings put it in the kind of rest sleep mode and the idea being obviously 
you keep it in that mode so it then wakes up faster and kind of that makes sense for a mains powered console because it can just sit in the background it's not going to run its batteries down so you could just keep it in sleep mode all the time but obviously with a handheld battery powered console you can't do that so i could often find myself wanting to fully turn it off um and it just it, it feels like a step too far like given that there is a there's a quick settings menu by holding down the home button that has sleep uh as a quick setting but doesn't have full power off and I'm kind of it's it's hard to draw comparisons, but like I kind of think of the power menu that you get on say Android that will have like um, sleep shutdown restart, and obviously that's the same as the Switch's like proper power menu. But I feel like shutdown could be in its quick menu. Um, while Bluetooth audio does work, um, it is in it, it is so I don't know for such a for a setting that was kind of people were clamoring for for years and i think this again is kind of a bit of nintendo not always realizing what what it, it's so it's so buried like it's it's in the main settings you have to scroll almost all the way to the bottom then there's a setting called bluetooth audio and then there's your list of devices this is absolutely and i would almost would not be surprised if they do this change is not there like okay i can understand not having multiple power options in that quick menu but my word there should be a bluetooth um on off toggle or even just as a nice list in that quick menu because yeah the fact it isn't is is incredibly frustrating it feels like i have to to really dig around to find it and the equally frustrating thing is it's you can't turn and i know why this is it's because um the joy cons also communicate over bluetooth but it means that you can't ever properly turn bluetooth off um so if you're also using bluetooth audio what can happen is say if you're um if you're using say bluetooth headphones like i'm wearing now and i might be using bluetooth headphones to listen to something on my phone if i then turn on the switch the switch will automatically connect to my headphones as well because it's constantly got its bluetooth switched on and it's constantly looking for devices that are paired with it so it does mean that if i don't want to listen to my switch's audio i have to go in every time and then manually disconnect it which again is frustrating because it is then buried three menus deep down so to have to go that far quite often just to say no i want to disconnect this device is, is annoying um i also um i also do not understand why and you can turn this off to a point, but some games still do it. But um, some games you'll you'll start them, and it will to pick your pick your user. Now I can 100% get this if you are using a console with multiple user profiles signed in. If if you're a family and you've got you've got children, like 100%. If you have multiple setting, if you have multiple profiles set up, 100% makes sense. And multiple profiles in technology is really great. What I don't get is why you still get that setting, even if there is only a single profile tied to the switch. Because it's always you're always going to be playing as the same person, and it, it, it's just again it it, it sounds a bit entitled, but it's just what it, it's one extra button press. But like it kind of ruins the flow a little bit. Like I launch a game, I expect it to launch, and it's oh I just need you to do this one extra step um, before you launch it. So um, yeah, but uh, but in the grand scheme of things, like those are are pretty minor things. Like the issues with 1080 output don't really bother me personally because I'm not really running it um on, on the tv um and yeah the, the software stuff i'll get used to it i kind of hope especially since nintendo did make the change uh, with bluetooth audio that maybe they might tweak some of this stuff later online i don't know um but yeah so yeah overall um yeah 
really loving the switch. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's it's the most telling thing. But like I've said, it, it really has kind of revitalised um, how I'm feeling towards gaming in general. But also, I think the bigger tell is I haven't switched on my PS4 in a while. Like those few bigger games that I do have, I haven't really felt drawn to want to play them. Um, and I think that's that's the kind of that's the most telling thing, and that's the sort of inescapable fact that it. <laughs> That it really does feel like my, my PlayStation Four is is out is out of pasture, which is which is a shame. It's it's served me incredibly well, like a lot of really great experiences. I uh, really honestly life changing experiences. And anyone that says that video games can't change your life is uh, sorely mistaken. But yeah, it, it it has reached the kind of end point of its life. It is still functioning, but I honestly don't think it will function for that much longer. And yeah, this just feels like a really nice interim step because. I don't really feel, at least at the moment, I'm in a position that I would appreciate a PlayStation 5, even if I could get hold of one. Even if, if and, I, and I just think, yeah, it's an investment I'd maybe look at two, three years down the line, uh, particularly if there is like a bit of a mid-cycle refresh. If they do a slim, I'm personally not sure if they will, just because I feel like practically the amount of uh, heat uh, dissipation you need to do for the, for the for the PS5. I don't know if you can really shrink it down that much, but yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely something I'm looking, will look into, but for now, yeah, my switch is really just, um, yeah, really just come home. And I really just wanted to, particularly with the kind of OLED model now and having, having had it in hand for a couple of weeks, really just kind of, yeah, just, um, yeah, just give a sort of genuine reaction and also just give a sort of general update on myself and, and kind of where I am and where the podcast is um, and all such like that. So, yeah, um, just in terms of kind of going forward and uh, and where we stand and where the podcast stands, like I, this, I know it's almost a joke how many times I've said, oh, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the show back. It's still going. It's just on incredibly extended hiatus and then kind of done nothing with it. Like this to me at least to myself this feels like a bigger and more serious step about bringing it back um i'm not entirely sure what that form will take i i don't necessarily think it would well i I hope it wouldn't necessarily be just with solo episodes just because i it's not as fun like i like having conversations with people and being able to to bounce off people so i would hope to kind of get to get some people back um yeah, there's a couple kind of projects I'm working on trying to put together, which which will be really fun. But yeah, I, ju- I just really felt kind of invigorated in a, in a way to kind of have a conversation and 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 get my get my feelings and opinions out there, uh, especially with this new switch and kind of a reassessment of of yeah of how I'm how I'm now gaming in in, in 2021. That this it just felt like the 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 really kind of a really nice jumping on point to kind of hopefully get things going and, and really kind of bring bring Game Without Borders, Borders as a concept back. So, yeah, I, I sincerely hope um, that, yeah, that you'll hopefully be hearing from me and hopefully a few other voices um, too in the not-too-distant future. But for the time being, um, if you want to get in touch with uh, the best place to do that is on Twitter. Uh, you can get in touch with me directly at another GMG blog. Um, yeah, just tweet me or drop me a DM. Um, if you do wish, you can get in touch with the podcast. Uh, you can get in touch with the podcast at, at GWBpod. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, on Stitcher, kind of anywhere you can kind of uh, think to get a podcast. You'll probably be able to find us if you do want to listen to our back catalogue, which and I don't think any of my uh, co-hosts will judge me saying this, of 
varying quality as, as we stumbled our way into the podcasting game in the last kind of four or five years. So, um, so yeah, I, I hope to be back soon. Um, but for now, yeah, have a good time, everyone. Stay safe, have fun, and, yeah, hopefully I will speak to you soon. Bye.